Welcome to the Theory of Pro Wrestling, where we explore modern pro wrestling through the lens of storytelling and narrative devices. I'm Jordan Cooper, joined as always by the Emmy Award winning John Alba, who, based on what we're talking about today, would love to have more money in the bank. Boy, howdy would I, but who wouldn't at the end of the day, Jordan? Welcome everyone to the Theory of pro wrestling we had a great episode last week and the week prior talking about characters now we're going to be talking about those little extra something somethings that help give those characters motivation and one of those characters as at one of those motivations we've seen recently with the wwe money in the bank is the cash in right and when we talked about it you did a did a pre you did a preview as well as a review on the wrestling according to Alba, Patreon, and Discord community, every PLE and pay-per-view. Everyone. You you do a stream, you do your predictions, you do your this, reviews. You don't gotta even watch WWE TV. I'll catch you up. You just <laughs> tune in for my preview and review shows. I got you. Right. So go. I there. feel like that's the case with a lot of PLEs in the first place. You don't have to have watched any TV. You get the video recap before the match. You're good to go. Well, the recent one. Money in the Bank, Damian Priest, EO Sky, they're the briefcase holders. They are. So they're eligible to cash in, right? And this concept, the cash in concept, the whole Money in the Bank concept, which is not just a WWE thing. We've seen other promotions adopt it. The casino ladder match in AEW. Impact had some like a King of the Mountain. Then they had like Feast or Fire. They've had is derivatives the of this. Place. Yes, the Feast right? or Fire case uh independents have have done these types of matches in in the past these matches still existed of like number one i mean simply the number one contenders match whoever wins this match they will face the title holder the world title holder whatever title holder they've had ones where blah 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 on a pole right the contract is on a pole and now you have a title match i think what I don't know. You, you you tell me before 2005, was there ever a concept where when you won the right to a title match, that this also means that you could, you could cash it in literally at any time, which includes like in the middle of another person's match or right after the other person's match. Was, was, was that a concept before then? Not to my knowledge, and I actually saw Brian Gewertz tweet out the other day that the initial idea with the money in the bank was that the cash-in would happen in a heavily advertised match. And then someone, he didn't say who, backstage was like, well, if a heel were to hold this thing, wouldn't they just want to use it whenever it was most opportune for them to have a match? And that's when the wheels started turning. And they said, ah, that would make sense. And then we've seen baby faces use it too in inopportune times for heels. So to my knowledge, Jordan, I don't believe that concept did exist. I think wrestling was viewed with much more structure. But following the era of unpredictability, something we talked about last week, it would appear that the money in the bank was birthed. Of course, if you listen to Chris Jericho... You would say he came up with it. Of course he did. Right. And apparently it was it was due to the fact that in the 2005 Mania, there were a bunch of talent that had no matches. And Jericho, of course, typically the worker that he is, 
how do I get on this card? It's like, why don't, why don't you just put us all in a match and have it be a ladder match and have this, you know, the title holder, you know, the contract. It wasn't even a briefcase. It was supposed to be, you know, kind of just a paper or clipboard or something. And then Vince McMahon said, no, it has to, has to be a brief. It should be in the briefcase. And the original thing was, well, the Raw after Mania, the person would have the title match like then. It would be very distinct. But because of that concept of cashing in at any time, to me, the match itself is less important than the aftermath. I think that this is the, this is the start of a story rather than the culmination of one. Yeah, and that's what it has certainly evolved into. I don't think that was necessarily the initial intendance of it, but it certainly developed into that. And it also developed into a vehicle where you can start to see different motivations from characters and you can start to evolve characters with it, whether it's over the course of them holding the briefcase or when they cash in a la CM Punk in his second cash in, which was utilized as a heel turn for him. Or CM Punk the second time when John Cena had declared he was going to cash in uh, his money in the bank opportunity and Big Show interfered and CM Punk, rather than granting John Cena a rematch, turned heel on him instead. And this type of dynamic, I mean, before 2005, really wasn't as much of an option. But from a storytelling perspective... The winner of the Money in the Bank match. Now, for, I mean, obviously, from a booking business standpoint, we tend to view it. The, the audience tends to understand how the business works, that this is a way to elevate someone. This is a way to to say, hey, this is someone that, based on obvious history, I mean, we're what? The, the concept was, what, 18 years ago? Right? Exactly. Something 15, 18 years ago that... There are way more successful cash-ins than not. That this is this is someone that you could see holding the world title or an important title at least. So I think from a storytelling perspective, it's the beginning of the story of the person winning the briefcase is a signal to the audience of you need to pay more attention to this this character. We have even if we have not presented them as uh, like a top story. We're going like a top to. protagonist, we're going to. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And and that is something that we have seen time after time, uh, except for last year. <laughs> and that's a whole nother conversation, which I'm sure we'll have at some point where there was a decision made last year that was not an earned cash in by any stretch of the imagination that questioned the integrity of this stipulation that they have put in place. Yeah, but the actual winner, I mean, they they pushed Austin, Austin Theory. He was featured more. But I say he was pushed? I don't know. Featured? Sure. Was he presented in a light where he would become a major player in the company based off of him holding the briefcase? I would argue that that was not the case. Even with him art, even with him wrestling John Cena, I don't think that was a result of him winning the Money in the Bank briefcase and carrying it. Do, do you think there's a Do you think there's a big difference though? Because, I mean, I view. I don't know. 
theory's kind of like in this like middle zone. Like the to me, the, the person that wins a contract like that is someone that, from a storytelling perspective, like in a plot of 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 any to any anything, TV, film, or anything, that the the most important factor being that the audience is aware of what you're doing is that the winner has to be credible in some fashion where you believe even if they take the the shortcut the most in you know they cash it in at a time where it's like yeah anyone could have done it at that time it doesn't really it does it doesn't feel as compelling like i remember during the you know the pandemic era the otis i like otis Baron Corbin, like Damian Sandow. I like, they they give the briefcase to some people where I'm like, it doesn't matter. It it doesn't matter what they do. I just don't buy it. But then you also have the problem where if you give the briefcase, we we saw with Brock Lesnar, like, does he really need the briefcase? No. Did John Cena need the briefcase? Right. But but I can understand from, from the... From a storyteller's perspective of we don't have anyone credible to give this to. And I don't think the audience is going to buy whatever mid-card talent they're going to put it on. So why don't we just why, why don't we give it to someone towards the top of the card? My 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 stance is if you're going to do that, the more compelling way to do it is use it as a vehicle for a character turn rather than it just be a static thing that the guy has mm-hmm. and uses, even though. You view John Cena going, dude, the dude could get a title shot practically whenever he wants. Why does he need the briefcase? If they used it as, oh, well, having the briefcase changes his character and this, mm-hmm. it, it propels him into such a different story, then it's like, oh. The- oh, look what it did for Bri- for Daniel Bryan, right? It changed Daniel Bryan's character completely. Him holding that briefcase started making him cocky. And then all of a sudden, as he becomes cocky, he starts doing the yes stuff. And then it turns into him turning full-fledged heel, which was used as a great vehicle. And CM Punk, as I said before, it was used in that instance as well to help change his character dynamic when he cashed in. Pretty crazy, Jordan, that no one has used the briefcase to declare themselves the main event of WrestleMania. Like, Seth Rollins cashed in in the main event of WrestleMania, right? And it was this big surprise moment. And that's one of the most effective usages of a tool like this to enhance a character. But wouldn't it, from a canon standpoint and a logic standpoint, if a character was trying to elevate themselves, wouldn't they just want to guarantee themselves the main event of WrestleMania? Like even a baby face, wouldn't that make so much sense? I I, th- I think. See, I, I stand on two sides of the coin for that. It depends on how the promotion itself as a character is portrayed, because truthfully, what your logic states that, like, why wouldn't you want to be in the main event of WrestleMania? It's like. Well, is the motivation of the characters like a business perspective or a prestige perspective? Typically, pro wrestling is presented in a way where the business 
of how much money the characters make is obfuscated, right? We don't, we don't know how much does the title holder actually make? Like it's it, to the heels. A lot of times that's a motivation. You see, like, I want to be the title because now I have all these riches from being the, the Ric Flair, right? It's like when you're the NWA world champion, you're, you're, you're rolling in money and everything like that. I'm not sure if like the character itself, you're mixing in like two, you're, the performer's motivation. Yes. Obviously you want to be in the main event of WrestleMania, but the character may just, I just, I'm here to win the title. Doesn't matter where, where or when it is, right? The difference to the, to the character on where they are. I mean, it comes back to the whole thing of Brock Lesnar being upset that he went on first at WrestleMania. Like you're breaking the, the whole, you're, you're almost breaking kayfabe there of like, no, that would be, that, that would be a reason why Brock Lesnar, the person may be pissed, but maybe the character shouldn't care when they're on the card. So do you see how, how, yes, I it makes it. logical sense if you, if you use the character performer hybrid, but once you take away that performer hybrid, but, should the character even care main about eventing, being in the main, main event? eventing WrestleMania is a major catalyst for action for a lot of baby faces. That's no, not only certain one, only ones that, that that's saying, their motivation. Well, my case wasn't, oh, everyone should be doing this. It was, okay. I'm surprised we haven't seen it done. Like who, who would it have fit? Daniel Bryan. Uh, he immediately comes to mind. And if I'm not mistaken, he even said it at one point, but then they turned him heel. So it didn't really matter. Um, Daniel Bryan, it could have been used for John Cena. It could have been used for, um, let's see. I'm trying to think of actual winners that had it. It's always, it is such a heel tool that very seldom, even with the baby faces winning. Well, that, that, that's why I wanted to ask next. I think that, I think one thing that majorly needs to be discussed is the difference between babyface winners and heel winners and what the pros and cons, because I see pros and cons of both. Mm-hmm. We typically see heels that have the briefcase because it is a tool of tension. It, br- it brings peril to the babyface that doesn't have to be in a match. That anytime the babyface is out, you know, defending his title, the heels kind of circling around going, when am I going to take advantage? Yeah. And uh, that from a virtue standpoint, that's not much of a baby face type of trait. No, uh, real quick. I just, Biggie is someone you could have done that with, by the way, uh, Biggie, if Drew McIntyre had won it, Drew McIntyre is the type of guy that you could do that with just finishing my point. But yes, you're absolutely right. It is very much a tool that lends itself to, the heel being willing to strike at any moment. I mean, Edge laid the groundwork for that with his first cash in. So yes, it does feed into that much more. And plus there's the unpredictable nature of it where you have the notion that a heel can strike at any moment's notice and unpredictability, I think plays into the lore of the briefcase is that it's one of those welcomed unpredictable moments. It's not just something that happens for the sake of it. If there is a cash in, a cash-in is going to be earned no matter what, just based on the virtue of the stipulation in itself. By winning that, it is an earned action. So, but what, what do you think the cons of having a heel habit versus a babyface? Because truthfully, I think in, in modern times, with the audience being a little bit more aware, you mentioned, I don't know if it's on a previous episode or at least one of your streams, 
at wrestlingaccordingtoalba.com that with the with the jungle boy turn at you know double or nothing mm-hmm. like it was teased he had a chair in his hand he had a title or something and he was going to go and he was going to cheat it was in the and he didn't and everyone booed it's like no you're supposed to <laughs> that's not what you're supposed right. to do the baby <laughs> they're supposed to cheer oh thank god jungle boy didn't turn like the audience is is aware of this do you think that the cash in itself being a moment like audience wants to see a moment absolutely that that the cash in and i think in that i think Seth the Seth Rollins one is a perfect example it's not like Seth Rollins was positioned much as a baby face then but having the cash in at the main event of wrestlemania is a, a moment, moment huge moment so you're on do you think that that unless well, the there were two things on that, Jordan. There were two things on that. It was the moment, and it was the fact that no one in that stadium wanted to see Roman Reigns win that thing. And that was <laughs> that was that was the other thing, right? So the opponent, just like in the last episode, the opponent Rollins was a tweener, and then now he gets babyface reaction because no one wanted to see Roman. Yes. But do do you think that that the difference in the reaction that you get from the audience with with the cash in attempt is? very much geared by the amount of tension that you build the storyteller builds with that that and and very similarly like why we see a lot of baby faces cash in much quicker than heels because there's not much of a st- from a from a uh that the briefcase is more you're more of an antagonist with the briefcase than a protagonist. You we rarely see someone win the briefcase and go go I'm the good I'm the protagonist and like this is my story. It's like well then just cash in it like you do it as quickly as as possible. You're not going to having the babyface stalk a heel doesn't is is not is not is, you're you're being portrayed as the antagonist unless Unless it services you getting behind the baby face more and getting under the heel skin. Like, for example, and I'm I'm speaking strictly in hypotheticals here, okay, strictly. If Kenny Omega in the Hangman Page story, okay, if, if, if Hangman Page had a briefcase that he could cash in and Kenny, deep down knowing how much he had fucked Hangman Page in the past, knowing that this was lurking behind him and Hangman is just there reminding him of that. There's a way where you're servicing the baby face there and the heel as well. Well, he and did win the chip. I mean, Hangman won the casino right, ladder match. Right, no, but... But the, the casino ladder match was only like a month before. But, and there wasn't the notion of, oh, he's going to cash in like at any moment's notice. Right. Like, because that hadn't been an established stipulation. Uh, but my point being that, like, you understand what I'm saying where the heel having to deal with that and having to suffer inside their own head, that services the baby face and the crowd getting behind them. They're playing the mental mind games. That's much harder to do with it. It is absolutely much harder to do, but there are circumstances where that can happen. But, but would you agree with me that if a heel (laughs) holds the, the, the rights, Mm-hmm. We were, we're calling it the briefcase, but it could be the chip. It could be whatever. It could be it's, something that doesn't exist as a thing. Just, uh, you know, they could come out and just say, I, 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 I'm, we saw it in GCW, Blake Christian with Masha Slamovich. That it happened, whatever you want to call it. We're calling it the briefcase because Money in the Bank is kind of like the most mainstream accepted version of this stipulation. Uh, it's much, much more beneficial for heels to hold it longer. 
because that will get them more heat as a heel rather than the heel that in the history of the money in the bank. And remember, like I, I didn't watch live a lot of the money in the bank era since 2005. What were the, were there instances that you remember of heels cashing it in like very quickly against baby faces rather than use the, because to me as a storyteller, it feels like this is a perfect way to, extend like a good three plus months of getting heel heat so that, you know, this may be the right time. Nope. Nope. I'm going to wait for even a better opportunity. Oh, this could be the time. And then you're just like, you're rooting for the baby face to be like, no, 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 no. Get up, get up, get up. He's here. He's here. Oh, that didn't happen now. Oh, get up, get up. Oh, it didn't happen. Like that service is a story so much more, but were there instances where, I mean, I have to assume with WWE sometimes, uh, you know, booking things on the fly a little too much. Have there been instances where heels just cashed in like the next night? Yeah, so there were a few. Uh, Jack Swagger cashed in the week that he won the briefcase Mm -hmm. on Chris Jericho. And honestly, I think Jack Swagger was someone who would have benefited from having it longer and building his character more because I don't think people were really all that invested in him as a character. And him holding the briefcase might have added more equity to him for when he did cash in. But his happened, I'm pretty sure, the week of uh, WrestleMania. Um, Kane, when he was a heel, I think he had the briefcase for less than an hour when he cashed in on Rey Mysterio, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, Edge, the second time he won it, cashed in the same week, I'm fairly certain. Um, Do you think a lot of these were done? I mean, I know we don't talk about booking. Do you think a lot of these were done because... Truthfully, they they didn't have really a long-term plan. I think some of them probably. I think some of them, that's the case, yeah. And then also, oh. but you see, you also see the opposite of someone holds it for so long because there is no plan and they're just waiting. I mean, I don't think that's necessarily the worst thing in the world. Like, I think if the company pinpoints someone, they're like, that's a guy that we can run with down the line. I don't think it's the worst thing in the world to see them get it and then figure out where to go. As long as it's not going to handicap their the sense of the storytelling and the logic behind the storytelling. But then there are instances where, quite frankly, I think they just like lose interest in someone holding the briefcase like Austin Theory. And uh, yeah, uh, again, they undermined their own stipulation with how they did it last year too, which I think damaged the stipulation, at least in the short term. You say they undermined it because he he was the only person to ever cash in on a non-top title. Yes, and it was never established prior to that that it could be cashed in on a non-top tier title. This is the first year that that was established in canon that that could even happen. So the fact that it had never even been established and we see him doing it it undermined the in- integrity of the stipulation, in my opinion. Well, as a heel, shouldn't you? Shouldn't the audience view it as like, wow, you're being stupid? And, and why wouldn't the heel want to cash in on the world champion? Like, I, I get in one lens, you can look at it as be like, oh, that adds a lot of merit to your mid-card title. But at the same time, when you have a track record of almost 20 years of people going for the big one and they always push that, Hey, this is your virtual ticket to becoming the world champion. Why wouldn't you cash in on the world championship? 
doesn't make sense to me. Well, on, on the opposite spectrum, to throw it back at you, the whole notion of when baby faces have it, we see that we see this all the time. Babyface has it, and then they call their shot, right? Because we we think in terms of a babyface attacking a vulnerable heel is not a virtuous action. And of course, we've established on this show that we don't really view babyfaces and heels based on virtue, so it doesn't matter to us. But you see a lot of opinion that the babyface move is to come out and say, well, I'm not going to wait till you're the most vulnerable. I want to match it, whatever the next pay-per-view or PLE or whatever. I'm cashing in then, and we have a match, and we're even. Doesn't that undermine the stipulation also? Because shouldn't the babyface, like, like, dude, yes, it's not a babyface-ish virtuous way to do it, but it comes across as babyface being pretty stupid. To not just do it at an opportune yes. time and call their shot. Yes, but also when a heel is hated and the crowd wants to see them get their comeuppance, I don't think the crowd really cares how it happens. I think they're fine, in fact, if that cocky heel, that dickish heel, gets a fast one pulled on them. I don't think that translates to looking poorly upon a baby face so maybe it's become a little more acceptable in that sense and yeah you could say a baby face that calls their shot is maybe showing their hand or not the smartest but i i also don't think it reflects poorly upon them as a baby face to do the surprise cash in as much as some would think on the surface is there a difference between the way a baby face holder and a heel holder has it as far as it creates tension? Like what other ways? Cause we see the stalking. Like that's the, the, I mean, it's very, it's very easy to do where the champion, regardless of if they're a heel or a baby face or whatever, is having a title match is having a mixed tag match, a tag team. I mean, whatever in the ring, Right. They're always subject to like, well, they're going to be tired or whatever. And you get the briefcase holder, you know, oh, they're going to be out at ringside or they're going to be on commentary. Right. Or, you know, it's going to be something like that where they're going to come out to the top of the ramp and stare or, or sit in a lawn chair or whatever, you know, whatever, whatever way that they show that type of element. Are there other ways to provide that tension? And on the other hand, do you think that there's a value in removing the tension sometimes? So it's we don't expected. Right. We don't see that as often of the briefcase holder essentially becoming like almost forgotten. They're involved in some other story. And it's like, like, dude, and then maybe they're a baby face and there's a baby face champion. And they're like, don't worry about it. You know, me and you are good. So you don't have to worry. And maybe they're even teaming up or something like like it seems like you don't see as many of those dynamics. No, where... that would be a great way to tell that story. And then that would also be way as a to be used as a catalyst, Jordan, to create development in character if someone were to pull something more sly like that. I think a way even to if it's help... not sly, well, maybe it's it's genuine. 
and, and it might be and it might be but even so you can still develop character off of that i think that if there were more promos from babyface money in the bank winners where they're reminding people of who they are and that they have the briefcase i think that would be serviceable you know working around some of those more tropey instances like what you just expressed basic things that build foundations for characters i think would work equally as well for babyface money and the bank holders do you think that the briefcase is often too used as a crutch in the way like if you have the briefcase you have a shortcut essentially you have this you know you know get out of jail free card do you think that it undermines the character and undermines the story or the, we talk about the credibility and we see it very often in WWE that someone wins the briefcase and then the, in the next four months seemingly loses like a, a lot of their matches. And it's like, well, they could lose matches because they have an out anytime they, they want. No, they got to get out of jail free card. Right. But doesn't that, that, reduce the credibility of so okay so, so you're not you're, you're you're alongside with me that yeah. from a storytelling perspective is is it almost makes it feel like like the money in the bank is your words unearned rather than someone that is obviously dominant that now had now is like now is my time and has proven to the audience as part of the story that even if they're gonna win cheaply win the title cheaply like to me any cash in is a cheap win because the other guy automatically gets protected when it happens in the middle or after the well, match right. and i just don't understand why you would want to undermine someone after going through hell and going through a war to win that and then cheapen them now if you were to use that consciously in a story where they win the briefcase they're feeling really good in their bravado, but then they start losing and you're starting to see it affect them. You're starting to see it affect their psyche. Well, I won this thing. So, so should, shouldn't I be like on top of the world right now? Shouldn't I be? And then that serves as a catalyst for when and on who they cash in. Like maybe you have a baby face win, Jordan, and then they start losing and they start questioning themselves. And then they do something very uncharacteristic. They cash in on a friend because they need to win back their confidence. They need to win back. Well, now all of a sudden you've just developed a great character and you're telling a good story with that. That's where I think you could utilize it. But otherwise, we've seen it so many times where they just lose and lose. And it's like, it's fine. They'll cash in and be fine. I think if you utilize that a way to, as a way to tell an effective story, you'd start to get to relish in the fruits of your labor. Well, I also, I also think that, that if you're going to put the title on someone, that credibility matters a lot yeah for the audience that you're basically saying this is the this is the top guy this is the top, this is the number one protagonist this is the number one protagonist this is the this is the star of the show that there should be no reason why they shouldn't appear as it shouldn't it's sh they it should come across to me at least i think it's much more compelling that if the character that cashes it in because it's automatically a cheap way of winning. I should have, it feels like at least most of the time that I, my reaction as an audience member should be that I think they could have won even without 
the briefcase. Like, because the story can't, to me, unless it's a heel, the story really can't continue past that with a babyface cash-in like that because then it almost makes it feel like the character is un, is 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 not a credible title holder anymore. Mm-hmm. You understand that? And that comes all the way back to giving the briefcase to mid-carters that, like, I don't see. It's very similar. We talk about Chekhov's gun with the Royal Rumble of, like, yeah, there's 27 guys in there that, like, I know aren't going to win because you've made the stipulation that they're main event to WrestleMania, and these guys aren't, all these guys aren't, they they aren't going to do it. I already know they're not going to do it. So I view it the same way with Money in the Bank of, like, don't put, don't, Give the briefcase to someone that I don't believe has a credible shot at winning the world title without it being cheap. Unless, unless it's a smarmy heel. But the babyface side, I just I, sometimes I well that's I think the most famous example is the most famous example is the Otis situation. Otis was hot in that people were into his comedy shtick that he was doing. They really liked the Mandy Rose story that he did at that WrestleMania they found a way to do a comedy money in the bank match, which is essentially what that particular year's money in the bank ladder match was. It was a comedy match. So they had the comedy character win it. And then all of a sudden they're like, well, shit, what do we do now? There was no plan. They went for the moment rather than the long-term play. And then eventually they had to book themselves out of the corner that they had themselves in. And the Miz ended up taking it. Do you think, do you think that's, do you think that's uh, a good storytelling dynamic of that they don't do often enough of like someone else winning someone the defending, contract, from... defending the briefcase? Right. I mean, I I think if you're a noble babyface, defending the briefcase is a storytelling device that you can use that will add intrigue to a match. Sure. If everyone was doing it, it would lose a lot of value. So I don't have an issue, Jordan, with it being a seldom used stipulation. And it, you'd think it, it it's much better if it's uh, a heel. Oh, 100%. I mean, right. I think the babyface defending it is like a babyface defending a championship. But it wouldn't, it wouldn't work if a heel is defending it. I don't think it would make a heel unless, unless the heel had been using it as like a weapon in their matches and then they're forced to have to defend it because now they have put themselves in a situation where they are at risk of losing it. That's where it would be effective with that. But I would say traditionally you would want it to be the baby face having to defend it. Well, I can see an instance where a heel has the briefcase and a, and a hot baby face. Like I'm thinking of like the Daniel Bryan example type of thing of like, like there's no way for the, for this character to get a title shot other than I'm I'm challenging the heel that has the briefcase. And this this gets to another point. It goes along with this. Do you feel that, that I don't I don't know if anyone has, has stated it like this, that the stipulate this type of stipulation, whether it be money in the bank, casino ladder match, anything like that, do you think that the stipulation is automatic by the by the format of weekly TV? And the amount of content that the promotions have to put out, that in kayfabe, the stimulate the stipulation of the contract is automatically undermined by the fact that 
you'll see the title being defended against people that are to the audience significantly lower on the card. So it's like like when you when you have a, a, a hey someone wins the 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 chip in AEW, right? Again uh, and and it's like okay, well I have this right to a title match, and then it's like John Moxley versus AR Fox world title. It's like yeah, I like AR Fox, but he's not like what gave him the right to even have a title match? And if he could get a title match, what the hell's the point of the brief? Why do you have to go through the elimination chamber? Right. Why do you have to go win the Royal Rumble? Why do you have to go win Money in the Bank? Yeah, I mean that that absolutely is something that happens. But I think wrestling fans accept it anyway because they understand the nature of the beast is that this is fifty-two weeks of television every year. And it's just simply overlooked because at some point you're going to have to have ways to declare number one contenders aside from just your one tool that you have there in the stipulation match. So I think it becomes acceptable. Does that make it right? I don't know. That's not really for me to say, but I think that's why it becomes mediated and it becomes acceptable in that form. Is this, is this a good argument not to get off topic a little that there are a lot of people Recently, as of, of the time of this recording, Roman Reigns has not defended his title since WrestleMania, right? God, that's crazy. But doesn't, to use the argument like you said against yeah. you, doesn't that make it now that whoever gets a title shot, like that's a big deal that's because right. the title is not defended that yeah. often. And in AEW currently, MJF doesn't defend the title He's in other stuff, right? And being a mixed tag or, you know, multi-man, something like that. That the stipulation of those types of things, like the right to earn a title shot, the right to earn something, is almost better off against in promotions where that actually you don't get to really see the world title holder really wrestle that much. Yeah, I mean, it absolutely. It adds a little bit of that merit to everything you just said those circumstances are going to be few and far between in wrestling though i do feel like that's an outlier situation especially in roman's case so i still think we find ourselves in that same situation of we're going to overlook other challengers coming up through different forms just due to the nature of the beast. Lastly, we've seen failed cash-ins. A few. Right? Mm-hmm. A few, right. Well, this is this is the main reason that we're, we're mm-hmm. talking about like how it's different with baby faces versus heels, whatever, because the storytelling device of the briefcase is more geared towards Pay attention to this guy, this guy, this woman, whatever, is going to be important. Most likely, they're going to win something, right? It's going to be, or it's going to be extremely pivotal in the plot of the main title that you, that most people are like, well, it's it's that's probably the guy that's going to win. It, it's going to have the title at some point, in some fashion. How he does it, we don't know. Failed cash-ins, it feels like, storytellers have rarely framed them well. Like it, it almost feels like failed cash. It, it almost feels like 
Baron Corbin failing to cash in, like when he typically you win the briefcase and people now the audience is like, oh, okay, this is going to be a main player. And then when they fail, it's almost like they're now at a level that they were below when they, started, when they got them. Like, it almost feels like you actually did them a disservice. Look at Sandow. What happened yeah. with him? 100%. I mean, Sandow lost. And Sandow, I, I mean, I always feel so bad. That guy is like a what if in wrestling. Because his cash-in so obviously happened because they decided on a whim they were going to unify the two championships when that definitely was not the plan when he won the briefcase. And then he randomly, without any reason, essentially, cashes in on, cashes in on John Cena, has a really good match on TV, and then that's it. We never see Damian Sandow in that light ever again. That was it. Never right. portrayed as a major player ever again. And Baron Corbin, like you said, I would argue to this day has not reached that level of where he was prior to winning the briefcase prior, not even, not even when he won prior to that, prior to winning the briefcase. Mm -hmm. Well, how how do you, how do you think the uh, storytellers, Nikki A.S.H. Well, yeah, there's another one. Well, how could they avoid that? The thing is, how could you avoid a failed cash and weaken in a character? Utilize the cash in failure as motivation utilize it as a catalyst for action for something else to occur that furthers their character. Do you, do you think they don't here, 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 here's the, here's the, the million dollar question comes back to the previous episode about vulnerability. Right. Do you think that, do you think that that, that type of story is not told in one company versus the other because the people in charge of one company don't necessarily view vulnerability as a positive character. I'm not going to speculate or guess, but maybe that's something that happens. But think about how compelling that would be where it is utilized as such. I think in so many times with money in the bank, a failed cash-in is looked at as an endgame rather than a starter. Whereas it could be used as a start to a story that would help take that character on a journey over a period of time, whether it puts them down a dark path or maybe it puts them on a turn towards the light. Maybe a heel fails to cash in and realizes, Hey, you know what? This is a product of my own doing. I need to do things the right way going forward. And well, that's not a new we've seen explored enough. Truthfully, shouldn't the, the failed cash ins for character purposes, are, aren't they more effective or at least more compelling for baby faces. If you're going to use vulnerability, like I understand for a turn, like if you want to say that a heel fails to cash in against a baby face and goes, you know, I got to change my bad ways and then be, you know, turns that way. The underneath baby faces always work in pro wrestling. Don't you think that the catalyst of for a baby face failing and then going, well, that's just it's it, it's more adversity, yes. John. More yes. adversity. You need more hurdles to clear. Right. I, listen, as long as it's done in a way where the babyface doesn't look like a freaking loser, like there's ways to lose without making them look stupid, right? Has there has there ever been a failed cash in that doesn't make them look stupid? Let's see. I'll go through the list here because that that because that's my my contention is that they could have written these failed cash ins in a way that 
It didn't make a character that shouldn't have looked stupid look stupid. Now, yeah, if you want to... I, Damien Sandow, if they want... that. There's some characters that if they wanted to move them into like like stupid heel type of territory in the mid card and look look at him stupid cash in type of thing that's one thing but it seems like like sometimes these are just done out of spite to the performer almost you know that's what it feels like as the audience member of like it's it's a uh, I could just picture you know Bruce and and Vince going womp womp look at that you know instead of being a catalyst, but has there ever, I, I can't think of a time, a fail, I mean, there's only so few failed cash-ins. Did any, any, any one of them didn't look stupid in the process? No, I feel like most of them did. I mean, Braun Strowman, when he cashed in at Money in the Bank, or at Hell in a Cell, and it ended in a no contest with Brock yes. Lesnar just ripping open the cell door, and that was it. Like, that, I mean, that was ridiculous. Well, that would that well that was an instance where, where from a logical perspective, the audience didn't even understand what what that even meant because he cashed it in and then the match kind of didn't finished. have a didn't yeah. even have an outcome. So, like, does he still get? Does that count or not? So, that, to me, that's the even worse reaction. You know, like I'm not even sure what happens at this point because there's no, no rule book for this. I would totally agree with you. Um, yeah, I mean. Otis again lost the briefcase. Um, Austin Theory, we described already what happened. John Cena, that was a DQ. So he kind of looked silly, I guess, a little bit. There aren't, I don't think there's enough baseline examples for us to really have a full declaration. But generally speaking, I don't think anyone's looked stronger out of losing the briefcase and smarter. Out of it. Has, any, has anyone looked? How about the opposite? Has anyone looked weaker after cashing in it? Or most of the, or most of the time they, they, they do look strong. Weaker after. I, I, no, no, I, 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 there's a recent one. Who would you Big, say? Big E. Yeah, I would say Big E, and I wouldn't say it's because of the fact that he won the championship. It was because of how it was done so spur of the moment and without reason. Again, he declared the day of on Twitter, I'm cashing in tonight. It was not an earned act. It was not an earned statement from Big E. He, he had no qualms with Bobby Lashley. Nothing had been established for him to want to go and do that in canon and then it just happened to pop a rating with no follow-through from that and he kind of toiled and then was left to go against roman reigns and he just kind of flopped under that and then his reign ended unceremoniously well that but that's but that's kind of what i'm talking about yeah, as like okay we're going to use this as a catalyst and for a short period of time, they have the title. And then next thing you know, like they don't look any, they don't look any strong. They look weaker than they did previously to what we, I still look at, at Big E as an audience member, as someone that didn't get what they deserved, even though they got the title, which is something that you should, the audience should never feel as, 
as the storyteller gave you what you wanted, and now you feel even less. Like, nothing against Big E. I feel nothing less for Big E, the character or the performer. It's more of the fact of, oh, they, 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 it almost feels like the storyteller placated us. And it feels, now I feel even more contempt towards the storyteller. Well, they booked for a moment and not for a story. But it's and all it about the moments. Reaction. They're all about the moments. I know. Putting smiles on faces. <laughs> We're in the third inning, pal. <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, my goodness. <laughs> are, are, are there any other thoughts that you have on, on in, no. in, in any, in, should, are there, are there any more innovative ways to use this storytelling element that has not already been done or, I mean, I or like, there things that have been done to death that you'd wish just stopped happening. I feel like I threw a couple different things out there for WWE creative to listen up to of, of ways that you could help tell some stories with these again, between a character losing and then that being a catalyst for them to turn after winning or as we described, you know, the, the flip side scenario of that in how they go about making sense of cashing in uh, and failing. And how do you respond from that? I think there's a myriad of ways you can go. I, I enjoy the money in the bank stipulation. Honestly, I think money in the bank has become almost as important as the Royal Rumble, which is pretty incredible when you think about it. I just uh, think that sometimes it gets a little tropey. It gets a little tropey with who is holding the briefcase and how they act once they have the briefcase. Uh, I think if you lean into the proper developments with their characters and you flesh it out over time, you can really use that as an effective tool. But what, what are your thoughts about, because we, we didn't mention this because people bring it up all the time. I mean, especially like EO sky, it's been what, maybe a week. She's the second longest holder of the of the women's money yes. in the bank. Do you do you think do you think the time limit? Do you think do you think it, it do you think it would be more or less effective if you shortened the time limit? No, I don't think that's an issue. I think I think a year is fine. I think a year is totally fine. It's just we've seen them booking for moments more than anything. That's that's really what it boils down to, Jordan. When you have if they took out the timeline, let's say like John, if they took out the timeline, you have you could cash in the next 30 days, 60 days, 90 days. Wouldn't it, it close the loophole of well, you can't you can't call your shot at WrestleMania main event anymore? Because that's I mean, obviously they used to do it at WrestleMania itself. And, and I and I personally loved when it was at WrestleMania. I thought that really added equity to the stipulation, too. But do you think do you think like do you look do you look at the women's money in the bank different than the men's I, I simply mean, because it's, a little bit. It, it, it feels like they've told more stories with the men's briefcases. Oh, than with but the there's women's. also a much smaller track record. There's also a much smaller track record. You know, the women's money in the bank match. I think the first one was 2016, right? It sound about right. Carmella, mm. maybe 2017, something like that. And technically she didn't even win it. Well, James Ellsworth won it, and then they did the match on SmackDown again that week. They did the same exact ladder match again, and she won it the second time after James Ellsworth died a death of doom. 
from a ladder, if I recall correctly. Uh, yeah, that was that was interesting. That was it. But you know what? I I don't hate it because guess what? In a ladder match like that, a smart heel would have someone helping them. That is truthfully one of my favorite things about TLC two, is that all those teams had someone extra to help them. This isn't technically an ODQ match. Yes, it's an ODQ match. So why aren't there other people out there? That's what I'm saying. These t- <laughs> these heels got to smarten up, man. And pe- people, people, hey, people crapped on the casino ladder match from last year where MJF with the firm. Yeah, I mean, I didn't love the execution of that person. Oh, okay. oh, oh, there's, oh you, but, you like the idea, but I like the not... idea. I like the idea, but uh, just because he wasn't even in the match. If I'm not who said who says that you have to be? I mean, obviously I mean, now it's breaking down. I think you should have to be an announced. I mean, Brock Lesnar wasn't, and he just showed up and got thrown in as Ali stood there like a goober at the top, waiting and waiting for Brock to just storm up the ladder. Uh, I think that is a baseline because then, in theory, anyone could just run in. It should be a baseline that you have been put in this match i i think when the bell rings you have to be there to start yeah but there's plenty of other things where that there are john there are plenty of other things where someone could run in at any time and they don't the 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 one uh, i don't know if this fits on any show that we'll ever ever talk about is when someone at a world title order issues like a open challenge in the middle of the ring and it's like what Dude, why aren't like the jobbers coming out? And why isn't there like, a whole group of people trying to? Right? How it's, it's oh, it's always oh, it's it's like. Well, they did that one time recently in with WWE. Avalon. Was was it with Pete? No, in WWE they did. What what they do with Peter Avalon? No, they did it with Avalon. No, I'm saying what they do with Avalon. So it's someone that it was I don't know Wardlow or something. It was one of the titles or whatever. Yeah. No, so this happened in WWE, and I'm trying to remember what title it was. But they it was like an open challenge, and then they went to the back, and you saw a bunch of guys just fighting each other, trying to get to the ring. Because it was like, who's going to be the one to actually like make it there? And then and who's going to be the first one? And I thought, I was like, wow, okay, that makes sense. Like a bunch of guys are just in the hallway just beating the shit out of each other to see who's going to stand on top and make their way to the ring for the open challenge that i thought i thought that was good i thought that was like a quality way to actually explain that um yeah jungle boyd being the one to just be like i want sonata and getting it was uh interesting but alas well we'll, we'll, t- we'll talk more about like the, the open challenge sure. stuff on future podcasts there's dude there's so much there's so many variables that go into uh, pro wrestling storytelling. Like, wow, like, you go, like how long, how long can this podcast even, how many weeks can you do this? Like, dude, I can come up with like 300 things that you could talk an hour each about because it's, it's, it's that it's, it's, there's so many nuances and so many variables that go into like, well, what if this happens? And then if that happens and in the past, they've done this. And that's one of the good things about, about pro wrestling is that, there's so much canon to work on that the more that you learn from the past, the easier it is to like manipulate the audience in the future. Absolutely. And we will be manipulating you, our audience for the future on future editions of the theory of wrestling. If you want to be manipulated by John Alba, (laughs) 
Wrestling according to Alba. In a non-cancelable way. You will be manipulated. <laughs> I want to make that very clear. Very clear. Right. If you if you have any thoughts of uh, unique ways that, uh, you know, briefcase, title, stipulation holder, feel free to post them in the comments. Right. Hit that thumbs up button on YouTube if you'd like. But join join the join the Discord, right? Join the Patreon. Hell yeah. Right? That, that, when, we, we had to do a tape study on a, on a on one of these types of matches. Hell yeah. I, I, have, have, have you done a Money in the Bank tape study? I don't study? think I have done a Money in the Bank tape study. I think we'll have to now. So join, and you'll you'll get all the past content. I mean, you've been putting out content there. Rocking and rolling, baby. Two or three times a week for a while. So you get all the old content, all the tape studies, all the Ask Albas. The archive. The, the archive. And get to participate in the Discord community, wrestlingaccordingtoalba.com. And you could also... Find him on Twitter at John Alba, John underscore Alba on Threads. I'm, I'm. Let's see, is, is Fetch going to happen? Are you going to try to keep on making Fetch happening with Threads? <laughs> I'm, I'm into. I, I, we took a break in between taping. I, I, I threaded in between. So, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm going to try to stick with it. I hope you're going to try to stick uh, with it too. Well, I haven't posted. I just, I check in and go. Okay, this is what's going on. Social networks are very hard to. I get it, man. Especially right. when you got to post the same thing on three different networks. I right. don't so I, I set up my account there just to have it. That's kind of like my emergency bunker. Okay. So like when Twitter explodes, and Twitter finally goes down. Right. Gotcha. Right. I, I mean, if there was a way to import everything from Twitter, like all your Twitter followers, all everything, and just gone threat, I mean, great. I could in a second, but it's, it doesn't work. Unfortunately, you and I both have more than 17,000 followers, and we can't just translate them over to threats. Right. And I never and I never use Instagram. So like to me, like, yeah, I yeah, I, I was know. never hot enough to be good at Instagram. So that was uh, part of the problem. Uh, people would say otherwise. I, I mean, like a select niche group of people, a select, select niche. You Very consider select. yourself attractive. I imposter syndrome is a hell of a drug, Jordan. You know, I, you I think to... I think you're I, I think that you're you're <laughs> this is a better way to put it. You're wrestling. You're. For wrestling talent, you're like a six. For wrestling <laughs> audience, you're nine and a half. <laughs> that's that's a fair point. That's right. a, I'll give you that. Okay. Right. Depending on which side of the barricade you're on, like if you're if you're if you're in the ring, you're okay. You're about average. There if you're, is if you're watching from the stands. You're one of the hottest guys. There, the there is one person in pro wrestling who I would consider to be very attractive, who also found me very attractive, and that was like my. I'm putting that in my pocket and holding that. For the rest of my life okay so aside from that i think you're right i think you're right uh so you can tell how attractive tell john alba how attractive <laughs> he is in the comments or on twitter at john alba you can follow me at blender hd on twitter and everywhere else and uh yeah we'll be coming back at you next week looking at more storytelling and narrative devices on the theory of pro wrestling